Ireland's Classic Hits Radio. Well, the Future Fertility Show is on at the RDS, 2nd and 3rd of March. And there is so much interest in an event like this. I think for a long time, um, certainly in Ireland, uh, you kind of heard bits about fertility. But unless you were actually going into a fertility clinic and inquiring, the information wasn't there. So we want to bring this to you. And uh, on the line, we have got Graeme Cool, who is the Group Scientific Director at Sims Fertility Clinic. Hi, Graeme. How are you? Hi there, Trina. Good, thank you. How are you? Good. I'm hoping that you might be able to answer some of those frequently asked questions about fertility today. And if you don't know the answer, we're in trouble. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll try my best. <laughs> absolutely. So, I mean, I've just been looking at uh, your, your online CV, really. You have a wealth of experience when it comes to this. You've worked in fertility basically all over the world for a long time. Yep. Yep, for, for too too many years now at this point, I'd say. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been an embryologist since I pretty much left university. Um, so I used to work with um, on the animal side, and then I got my first job out in Sweden uh, working with human IVF, and then in the UK, and then I came to Ireland uh, twenty years ago. But we were part of a big group um, uh, called Virtus, Virtus Health. So we have clinics all over the world. We've got the, the UK, Denmark, uh, and primarily Australia. So we, we were, we're a huge international group and we all kind of link in together and, and share ideas and thoughts and best practice. So it's a really kind of interesting field to work in. And yeah, I've been in it for, for, for a lot of years now. Yeah, and I'm sure you've seen a lot of babies born in that time. Oh yeah, well, I mean, look, thankfully, yes. I mean, uh, didn't we do my job properly? We didn't. So um, yeah, I mean, look, uh, I, I, I don't know. Don't, don't keep tra- track of the numbers anymore. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, IVF now is something that's becoming far more mainstream, it's far more accessible. Around one in six families uh, are people trying to conceive family of issues, which is a huge number. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it means that we're kept busy in trying to help these people achieve their goals and their dreams, you know? Yeah. And it's great when you think of all the places you've, you've worked and the, the knowledge that you get. I mean, every country you go to, you're picking up more knowledge. And as you say, sharing ideas, somebody in, you know, another branch might know something else that you don't know. And so you're really, really learning the whole time. And it never ends. I guess when you, you finish doing your university course, that's not the end of it. You're learning every oh, no, day. That, that, and there's that's so much the advancement. I mean, yeah. 100% yeah I mean that, that, that's on the start and IVF is such a new field I mean in, of medicine I mean it's only been around for 44 45 years now at this point so it's evolving all of the time I mean we're, we're changing things where we're getting new technologies obviously the big buzzword right now is artificial intelligence AI and that's now starting to come into our field now as well so and to help patients get pregnant faster so you know it, it's always evolving and we're kind of at the cutting edge of, of medicine here with genetic tests and, and all these kind of things that we can do now to help patients. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's a really interesting field where, where things don't stand still for very long. They, yeah. They're always evolving and always improving. So it's great. And years ago, I mean, fertility w- wasn't mainstream. It was for, you know, movie stars and people who were millionaires and who could access this. But it definitely is becoming much more accessible. And as we heard as well, the, the public funding that's going to be available as well. But I've got a load of questions here and I hope you don't mind yep. me going through them. Um, of we'll, we'll get back to basics, I guess. So first of all, Graeme, at what stage of trying to conceive should somebody be contacting a fertility clinic like Sims? Uh, you're classified as, as having issues with your fertility if you've been trying to conceive, trying regularly over the course of a year. So if you've been trying to conceive for a year without any success at all, that would be classed as you know starting to see some kind of fertility issues. Um, it really so depends on a patient's age. I mean, that, that's, that's fine for someone, let's say, who's 
early thirties uh, or younger. So you know, try for a year and and then and then come and have a, a chat with someone perhaps. Mm. Um, but really, if somebody's kind of a little, a little bit later thirties, so 35, 36, 37, a year is a long time. I mean, female fertility in particular starts to decline quite rapidly um, uh, with age. So you know, waiting a year if you're thirty seven, that year could be vital. So it really depends on on, on the female age in particular and where you're at. If you're trying and you could try for maybe six months um, in, in that kind of age group, um, I'd say, look, it, it makes no hard to pick up the phone and, and have a chat with someone. It might not be that you need to come in and have any, you know, full IBS cycles, but again, it's no harm in sort of just uh, seeing as quickly as you can because it gets to the point where age is against you. It's, it's the, the clock is ticking, unfortunately, um, and, um, you know, the sooner you get active and the sooner you, you engage with someone, if there are any issues, the faster and the more likelihood that we'll be able to help in a quick and efficient manner for you. Yeah. And Graeme, what about for couples who maybe they didn't manage to get pregnant, but there was a loss? Is that still considered to be a fertility issue? It can be. Um, in Ireland, unfortunately, in the public system, I still believe that you've got to have three pregnancy losses before it's classed as recurrent miscarriage. So, I mean, that's definitely something that we, you know, we don't want our patients to be going through three miscarriages, you know, before we're looking at that. So again, certainly maybe after one, it's a little bit too soon, but if, if there are sort of a couple of pregnancies which start off but don't continue through, again, it's worthwhile having a consultation and, and having a chat with the doctors to see if there's anything we can do. There's things, you know, these are not things you would do necessarily in an initial investigation panel, but there's things like looking at your thyroid, looking at your autoimmune system, um, and all these kind of things that are important for pregnancy and just are sometimes a little bit out of whack. Um, so um, if we can fix those quite simply, then that can potentially help a pregnancy to maintain and, and go forward for um, the patients that have the successful outcome they're looking for and, and through to a baby at the end of the day. Now you mentioned there about age being a massive factor as well for women I guess over the age of 36, kind of 35, 36, 37, going in that direction. And we see yep. these celebrities all the time and they're 47 and they're 48 and they've had a baby. At what age is it too late or, or is there a number that you would say really now you might be wasting your time here? I mean, it's it's difficult to say that there's no chance after a certain age because there's always the outlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, I mean, the, the, a woman who is you know in her mid thirties maybe has about a fifty percent chance nowadays um, of achieving a pregnancy, um, and that would translate into sort of having a baby at the end of it, to close on to forty two percent, something like that, take home baby rate, um, would be a little bit higher. Um, but somebody who's maybe 42, um, you're reducing those chances down slightly below 10%, maybe lower than 5%, depending on what all the rest of the medical history are. So, you know, a, a lot of these celebrities, unfortunately, what they don't announce is that it's often donor egg. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, you see these people that are, you know, 50 and having a baby, um, that's very likely to be donor egg as opposed to their own egg. And again, that's something that we have as a service in Sims. Uh, we've got donor egg programs, uh, donor sperm programs for same-sex couples um, and uh, you know we've got the full range of treatments for, for patients our goal is to whatever the reasons for the infertility is to, to get the patients pregnant at the end of the day and we've got everything there that we, we fingers crossed will, will help with that So at the age, so a woman at the age of 42 there's a very low chance basically of getting pregnant, maybe a 5% is I mean, it, it, do, you, do you mean I, without help or with help? 
Uh, well, just just in general. I mean, unfortunately, I don't want to sound so too, too negative about I this. No, um, I know. And, and, and so put, 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 you know, put, depress everybody out there who's forty-two <laughs> and trying for a baby. I mean, it does happen. But I mean, I think everybody knows nowadays that you know, female age in particular, but male age as well, does impact on fertility. So it's realistically, you know, the, like I said right at the start, the sooner you feel like you've got issues, the better. I mean, you don't need to wait. I mean, if, if you're young, that's fine. You've got the time to wait. But if you're if you're in the mid thirties or higher then you really want to kind of get in contact with the clinic if you're having any kind of problems of conceiving um, and do that as soon as you can because every six months is precious, every month even, not even every six months. Mm. So, you know, we just don't want patients sitting out there going, okay, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll leave it for another year, I'll leave it for a while, let's, let's just try again. Um, when they're starting to get into that kind of age group where fertility, if you look at it as a graph, for a female, it's your fertility, your chance of having a baby, it's a fairly straight line and it starts to decrease very, very slowly, very slowly. And then it starts to get faster and faster. And then, you know, above 40, it starts to go into a bit of a, a more rapid descent um, until, unfortunately, then that leads to menopause where the, the you know, the, the chances are, are then, you know, without donor egg, um, the chances are, are, are now zero. But, um don't wait. Don't don't wait to speak to somebody. You don't need to go through a full IVF cycle just to get checked. I mean, you can yeah. come in, you can have testing. We do fertility testing packages, um, as do most clinics, um, where you come in, the female has a, a in particular an AMH test is the, is the main one we do. That kind of gives you an idea of ovarian reserve. So that's kind of how many eggs are left in your in your ovaries. Um, we in Sims in our package, we do a scan as well. So we check out, make sure that the, the, the uterus and the ovaries are, are as they should be. There's nothing there like um, polyps and things like that, which may be a, a problem in, in becoming pregnant or holding on to a pregnancy. And just check the anatomy that everything is okay. And then for the male partner, um, if it's a, a heterosexual couple, we do a semen analysis. We check the sperm, make sure that everything is okay with him. Um, so those sorts of things, there's no, you, you don't need to become a patient necessarily and go through treatment, you can do those things. It's like a fertility NCT. You're coming in, checking everything's okay and heading off and, and sort of trying on your own. So you can do those things even without, you know, even, even kind of pre attempt at uh, having children and um, some people come in and do that before they're even thinking about having yeah. uh, to see where you know, you're at child, basically. Just to make sure yeah. at. Yeah, yeah, that's a, exactly. it's a great idea exactly. actually because then you're you're not feeling. I know some people are kind of terrified of the the prospect of contacting your fertility clinic, thinking, "Oh God, I'm going to I'm going to have to spend thousands here." But that's not the case because you can get this initial uh, testing done. And I and I know um, I've seen it on your website there. It's like three hundred fifteen quid for that. Um, yeah, the end and, of and actually, yeah. I think I think I think for the month of February, there's a hundred euros off as well. We've got a, yeah, no, it was four fifteen. It was four fifteen, so and, and it's three fifteen now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which I mean yeah, isn't isn't yeah. a lot when you think what's involved there um, can it's I not, and, and there's also a consultation with the doctor in that as well so okay. you, you have a follow up with the doctor um, who discusses the results so they make sure you understand them all so I mean they're becoming very popular we've mm. got lots of patients who do these now uh, who don't necessarily become patients to begin with mm. but they go off and then if they, if they then do have any issues in the future they can come back and we've already got a lot of those tests done and we can we can build a, a programme for them from there yeah no, it's definitely one not to leave on the long finger so just on that scan that you can have done the initial stages of your consultation it looks at the follicles now this is something a lot of friends of mine talk about the follicles you're like what are they talking about can you explain to us now in simple terms what follicles are what it means and what your ovarian reserve means 
Yeah. So there's this kind of thought that in a, for a woman, she releases one egg a month. And that's if, if it doesn't fertilize, then you don't get pregnant. If it fertilizes, you become pregnant. But what's actually happening is on the surface of the ovary, there's there's uh, all these tiny, they're called preantral follicles, and they're kind of pre, they, they, they contain the, the, the makings of an egg. Um, and every month what happens is the, a batch of these start to grow up. And these are called follicles. So they're little fluid-filled sacs which support the, the egg as the egg grows inside until it's ready to ovulate. And at some point, with the, the, the various hormones in the body, um, one of those follicles becomes what's called the dominant follicle. So all the other ones that have been growing up at that point, they just are reabsorbed back into the body. And this one follicle in a natural situation would ovulate and you'd have your one egg that's released. What we do in um, IVF treatments is that we stop the rest of those follicles which are growing from being reabsorbed into the body and we continue then to grow so that we can collect as many eggs as we possibly can, well, not possibly can, but as many eggs as we, we safely want to collect mm-hmm. um, and so we're not wasting we're not we're not wasting any eggs but the follicle itself is the, the little small fluid filled pouch on the ovary which um, supports the growth of the egg until it's ready to be ovulated or or have an egg collection if it's an IVS cycle. Now your ovarian reserve this is counting how many eggs you have left. I mean it's a very rough estimate <laughs> I mean it's, 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 it's so so it, the reason we do um, the AMH is, which is anti-malarian hormone it's a, a very nice test because it doesn't matter what time of the month that's taken it's a blood test and it just gives us an idea of you know somebody with an AMH of seven or eight we know they've got a reasonably good ovarian reserve they're probably going to respond well to the medications that are coming for IVF and they probably won't have a problem ovulating on their own um, unless there's other issues going on in any given month. Um, somebody with an AMH of one, however, that's going to mean that we'll be lucky if we get maybe you know two or three eggs um, in an IVF cycle, and they may not ovulate every month. So it gives us a kind of a very rough idea as to, to what we're doing. It also allows us to tailor the medications. Somebody with a higher AMH and ovarian reserve, um, we give lower medications to because we don't want to sort of have too many eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody with a, a lower AMH, we can maybe give a little bit more drugs to try and push along some of the follicles that, that um, wouldn't necessarily grow on their own. Um, but we also do the, the scan and do what's called an actual follicle count. So as I was mentioning before, the the follicles the, before they start to grow up in any given month, they're kind of sitting there waiting to be sort of recruited. Um, and what the actual follicle count does is it allows us to see how many are kind of sitting on the ovary waiting to grow up in any given month as well. So mm-hmm. that combined with the AMH gives us a pretty good idea as to how a woman's going to respond to medications and also whether she'll be um, ovulating on her own as well. Okay, so having five eggs, for example, Graeme, doesn't mean that you've got, say, five chances left of getting pregnant. And with each period, no, not, that chance goes no. down by one. No, okay. Yeah, no, not, not, so not, not, not at all. You hear this? No. You hear this? Someone going, oh, they think I've got five eggs. That means in five months time, so five periods away, there'd be no chance. So yep. that's not how it works. Yeah, not at all, not at all. That's 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 how many you're likely to to, to recruit every month. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, all unfortunately links back to female age. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you do have some women who go into premature menopause, um, and um, you know, so you know they may come in and you know be very surprised that they've got low AMH because they might only be 32, 33, or whatever age they might be. Now, what happens with them is that they don't necessarily 
um, get so many eggs, but because they're young, the eggs that they get are good quality. So it, it's it's a, a balancing act on quality versus quantity. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, you know that that quality does go down with age, and that's what the the, the biggest issue. It's not just the numbers; it's actually the quality of the eggs as well. So mm-hmm. it's as I said, it's one of these things that you don't want to hang around too lo- too long on, particularly if if you're getting um, into the the higher age brackets of, of where women are going to get pregnant naturally. Yeah. So can Sims do anything about the quality of an egg at all? No. There's lots of different things that we can give medication-wise, which, you know, can potentially. There's there's an awful lot of, it's, it's one of these areas of research which there's not really anything right now that you would say, if you give that, it's going to improve the egg quality. Imagine um, if there was. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, th- th- there are certain drugs that seem to work for some women. Um, it doesn't seem to make a difference for other. Again, it's, it's very it's very similar to the males. There, there isn't really, you know, it, it's all medications, uh, sorry, vitamin supplements and things like that that we usually give to the male partner. And again, for some men, that makes a huge difference. For other men, it doesn't. And again, we, we just don't know why that is yet. Yeah. Uh, so it's one of these things that there's stuff we can try, won't do any harm, but it's not absolutely guaranteed to make a, a massive difference but it hopefully just pushes everything a little bit in the right direction and as I say as long as it's doing no harm and even if it doesn't then it's, it's not the end of the world but um, we're trying to, to, to get back to basics a little bit in IVF now um, and try and shy away from some of the more you know weird and wonderful things that might have gone on in the past that we, we term as add-ons um, because you know if there's no real hard and fast evidence um, on it then and often they're expensive and they certainly have to the cost of an IVF site so we, we tend to shy away from them a little bit more than we used to for stuff that is kind of proven clinically and proven in the literature to make a, a, a significant difference for as many patients as possible. Sometimes I'm amazed that women ever get pregnant, ever, because oh, there's, such a sm- <laughs> there's such a small window, isn't there, in which you can actually get pregnant. So can you explain <laughs> what is the key time in the month for women to be able to get pregnant, Grain? Yeah, the best thing to do is to use an ovulation calculator. There's plenty of them online in apps and you, you, you put in the dates of your periods. It will tell you your fertile window and when you're not fertile. You can also buy LH test kits from any pharmacy and you do them for a few days and it'll tell you when you're you're ovulating. So those are such things. It's, it's different for, again, a little bit different for every woman because of the length of their periods. Some women have regular periods. Some people have, uh, you know, more irregular periods. So there isn't really a hard and fast rule, but there are ways to calculate that out. And I think using the apps and using the, the ovulation test kits are, are, are the best idea rather than saying, you know, day whatever, because yeah. um, it is slightly different for everybody. Because you always think of Monica in Friends and she'd grab Chandler and she'd be like, right, come on, we're ovulating. Go, 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 go now. <laughs> yeah. As if they'd five minutes to do the business. I think, I think she know? was doing the ovulation test kits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was definitely doing them. So is there is there a yeah. day on either side or, or what's the best kind of... Yeah, I mean, look, there, there, there's a fertile window, but it's not something that uh, it's like have sex once and that's... That's you know, it, you're, you're done. Pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> Voila. The, 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 recommendations, the recommendations now, is, uh, I'm sure people will be glad to hear, and particularly the males, is, is to have sex regularly um, throughout the course of the month. Um, and um, don't save it up. I mean, the thing that we've found over the years now, and certainly the, the, the studies have shown, is that when the sex becomes 
you know, um, purely baby making sex, mm. it kind of everybody kind of loses interest in that, and um, the idea is to sort of not make it, not put the pressure on, not have that same sort of level of pressure. It's better to just you know enjoy um, your sex life through the course of the month and as regularly as you can. But I mean, sperm will live in the inside the female body for up to seven days, so it's um, when it's, if there's an egg there and you you've got a window, as I say, um, to fertilize that egg, you know. A day or, or so, either way, probably isn't making a huge difference um, because the sperm will, will get there if it's good quality sperm. Can I ask as well, Graeme, is it often the men? And if it is the men that have the issue, is there anything that can be done for them? Uh, it's around about, um, it actually splits out fairly um, evenly. It's about just over 30% female factor only is about 30% male factor only and then the rest of it is a combined male and female factor mm. so it's pretty much split evenly um, across the males and the females um, the males tend to be most people would be aware that, that there's research out there and it's been in the papers and that male fertility is decreasing and we don't really know why but they think it's to do with you know plastics and things like that we're using now for males it's, it's more taking supplements making sure you've got a healthy diet um, extreme sports. I was just on a, a, a webinar or seminar the other day, which was about sort of uh, you know the extremes of doing in the gym, in saunas, doing long distance cycling, doing marathons, all that kind of thing. And that all does affect your fertility, um, male and female. So it's it's about being healthy and balanced, but not too not, not too extreme either way. You know, mm. again, the one thing I would recommend everybody if you're trying to have a child is to stop smoking. It's it's pretty much the worst thing you can do for fertility. Um, but things like drinking, as long as it's drinking in moderation, actually doesn't make a huge difference. Um, for the male, there's actually been some evidence to show that a, that a couple of drinks a week can actually improve sperm count. So it's again with the males, there's been less research for male infertility over the years because we have a process called ICSI which stands for intracytoplasmic sperm injection so when the sperm is of lower quality we do the IVF cycle we collect the eggs and instead of just mixing the sperm and the eggs together we inject one sperm into each egg with, with tiny little glass needles and when that came along you know the research in the, the pharmaceutical industry all kind of focusing on the female because that was a solution for male infertility and was this process called ICSI nowadays there's a little bit more focus because the female market is a, a little bit kind of covered now it's saturated with plenty of medications so the, the drug companies are going back to the male side of things okay. um, but really for, for us the recommendations are healthy diet supplements and you've got to remember that in the male that uh, nothing's going to happen overnight for the male sperm takes around about 72 days to be produced so anything you do now, you're probably looking at at least three months before it makes a difference. And realistically, it's probably about six months before it makes a significant difference. So it's a bit of a long-term thing for the male. So the sooner you get on those vitamins and start eating healthy, stop eating the processed foods and things like that, then so much the better. But I mean, again, I wouldn't tell anybody to absolutely change their lifestyle, turn it upside down, because then you're just miserable. And, uh, <laughs> so it's just, it's just, be, be sensible is the oh, main okay. thing. Okay, no crack whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, that, 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 that's not that's no fun for anybody. No, no. Can I ask you as well, Graeme, just about, I mean, you do hear of couples and they've been trying to have a baby for a long time. They've gone through, you know, various rounds of fertility treatment. And the worry is, how long can we try this for? When do we need to give up? Is that a yeah. conversation that has ever had with, with patients yeah. coming in? Guys, it might yeah. be time to give up or will you keep on going? No, we we definitely. I mean, look, we present patients with options. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a, it's a terrible situation. Yeah. I mean, look, th- thankfully, you know, most of our patients ultimately will end up with a positive outcome. Mm. Um, 
But there are some patients where it's either a far more extended journey and there are some patients where ultimately they have to walk away and go, look, we've tried our best and we've done everything we can and, you know, and that's not for us. And, you know, they either decide that's their life life now or, you know, that's potentially when they look at adoption and things like that. So there are definitely times we wouldn't go on forever, for sure. I mean, it's, it's, you know, we might discuss with the patient, look, you know, this is not working. There's an option for egg donation. We might look at embryo testing with the genetics. Uh, it's called pre-implanted, pre-implantation genetic testing um, to make sure that the embryos are genetically There's no um, normal problems. because a lot, yeah, a, yeah, a, lot of, a lot of the other, uh, a lot of the embryos which don't implant, I mean, people think that every embryo is created equally. I wish that was the case because we would take one egg, one sperm and end up with one baby. The reason that we have to take, you know, maybe an average, maybe say eight or ten eggs is that around about, you know, 40% of embryos even for somebody who is, you know, in their early thirties, they're still genetically abnormal, mm-hmm. and that's just the nature of things. That's why people don't get pregnant every single month to try because some of the embryos that, that are created that month, there's just something wrong with either the egg or the sperm that has created it. So we can screen those embryos and make sure that we're putting back the ones that are as normal as possible. But then it could be egg donation, it could be surrogacy. You know, there, there's lots of different options for patients to ultimately end up with a, a positive outcome. But yeah, definitely there are some patients where we, we sit down with them and say, look you know you really need to have a think about this and we offer counselling and support for those, those those things but to be honest by the time we get to that stage the patients are probably the ones going you, we kind of know and they often know that you know this is they'll go we're going to have one last try and that's going to be it and yeah. we'll go look this is the best thing we can do for you um, and um, you know and, and we do, do everything in discussion with the patients we try not to be paternalistic and say we are not going to treat you anymore we just put things very much out into the uh, into the patient's hands and say look this is not something that we feel is the right thing to do that you know we don't feel that doing another cycle the benefit of that cost and emotional costs financial costs there are there are not the right thing for you at this stage uh, and we'll have conversations about the alternatives that might be there or, or different routes that we can take but ultimately the patients are often the ones that decide look we're going to draw a line under this and um, but we're there to help them and support them in that and that's they're almost the the, the ones that um that need the most support obviously and um, i mean every negative cycle is obviously not great for a patient it's it's very tough but those that are getting to the worst end of their fertility journey they're the ones who need the most help and support to sort of draw that line and say we, we've done everything we can and, and often they, they go away happy is the wrong word but satisfied that they have done everything that they can yeah it's a big big strain in a relationship but i'm sure not a, you know we're talking about the sad stories when it doesn't work but oftentimes it does work and I'm sure you get the photos sent in of the babies that have been born and um, do you get many twins and triplets by the way? Uh, we, we get lots of photos uh, <laughs> we used to get a lot of twins and triplets but we try and avoid those now Any quads? Um, <laughs> uh, and years gone by I mean we, we've, and then again it's not that we've ever put back four embryos, yeah. uh, that's not something we would ever do but we've had uh, we've had a set of identical triplets plus a sibling when we put back two embryos so th- one embryo split into three uh, and uh, the other embryo that went back uh, also implanted and became a, a baby so um, so sometimes you get these surprises as well Shiny Mac um, they looked for one and they got three this couple got four um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah no, nowadays yeah. The, the safest pregnancy is a singleton pregnancy and we very much I think around about 92% of our embryo transfers now are single embryo transfers where we're only putting back one, one embryo 
we certainly don't do any double embryo transfers in, in the younger patients because there's a, a significant chance of twins. People think the twins is, is great. You know, a lot of patients would, you know, bite your arm off at the, the thought of having twins and, you know, having the two babies at the same time. But it, it is a riskier pregnancy. There's a slightly higher chance of miscarriage. There are certain, there are certain conditions and deafness in the babies is higher as well. And obviously, it's a much tougher pregnancy for the mom if, if there's two babies there. So our aim nowadays is one embryo and one baby. So that's the safest option for everybody, including the babies themselves. So we try not to have twins. But I mean, again, we can't um, control nature all the way. And, and you do sometimes put back one embryo and, and, and get that set of identical twins as well. So it's something that we try to avoid so, as much as we can. And when the couples do manage to get pregnant, Graeme, are they quite anxious because of everything they've gone through to get there? Are they anxious about the pregnancy then? Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, certainly probably more anxious than somebody who's conceived naturally without any problems, you know, because it is a, it's a, I mean, every pregnancy is precious, but if you've had to work as hard as some of our patients have to work at it to get there, um, they're definitely, um, there's definitely a, a little bit more anxiety. Um, but I mean, again, we support these patients. We see the patients and they're in contact with us uh, routinely up until the point where they come and they have their scan to, so we can see the fetal heartbeat for the first time. Um, so, and then some of the patients will come back in for more scans after that, depending particularly that the anxious ones. And then, Really, then we, we refer them on to the obstetrician, so they'll, they'll go to see and, and, and link with an obstetrician. So they're kind of being looked after very early. Like I think in Ireland, um, you normally don't get to see an obstetrician or, or really any any kind of scans and things like that until you're 20 weeks, around about 20 weeks. But our patients generally would be having a lot more scans than that. And uh, yeah, we, we we don't really look after patients much more than about 10 weeks because that's not our sort of speciality. So yes. they go off and, and they have looked after. But counselling and and you know um, our nurses who are fantastic and they're on the phone um, with patients all the time and you know trying to, to keep them um, sort of in, in line and, and um, stop them from panicking and worried and, and any little thing but if there's anything that our patients that happens you know sometimes you can have a little bit of spotting and things like that during a pregnancy which of course terrifies any patient we'll bring them in for a scan immediately and you know and, and check out and make sure everything's okay for them Okay well I wasn't lying when I said he was a wealth of knowledge uh, there is the group scientific director of Sims Clinic Fertility Clinic, Graeme Cool there. And if you have a look at their website, sims.ie, the amount of treatments, I actually can't even take it in. There's so much. And uh, God, medical technology has just moved on so quickly in the last few years. So much there from ovulation, induction, IUIs, IVF, ICS, all these abbreviations that you'll have to Google. Um, and like, as you mentioned there as well, there's uh, pre-implantation genetic screening, embryoscopes, uh, fertility preservation. So that's where you freeze your eggs. Uh, donor programs, so much information on there as well. And uh, Sims will be there at the RDS on the 2nd and 3rd of March for the future fertility show. I think we need to get you back, Graeme, now for a mini-series on fertility. <laughs> Can I book you yeah. in? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No problem Brilliant. at all. Yeah. Brilliant, because we could listen to your accent all day as well. Super. All right, listen, Graeme, thanks so much for your time and uh, all the best to everyone there in Sims. Thank you very much. Thanks a million. It's Ireland's Classic Kids Radio. Bye-bye.